1: You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Christine Holland, Yeah, her. She's going to be here tomorrow talking about density and uh, San Luis Obispo. Also, heart surgeon Dr. David Canvasser will join us. Larry Martinez on uh, Monday. We're busy. Uh, still to come on this broadcast at 6.05, Dr. Larry Lockman talks about the actor Bruce Lee, but in terms of his impact on martial arts and lessons we could all learn from the late, great Bruce Lee. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. This segment, I think, is pretty important. It's certainly very relevant. We're going to spend the hour talking about artificial intelligence. We're going to spend the hour talking about the future. Our guide is a first time guest. So pleased to welcome Sam London to this broadcast. He describes himself as a data scientist. Sam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for coming in. So what does a data scientist do? Oh, boy. Um, So a data
2: scientist is responsible for uh, taking the giant amount of data that corporations are collecting all the time from the way people are using their products and then developing uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence algorithms to manage that data and come up with Um, Either ways to improve the product itself or to advise the company on how best to spend money
1: How did you choose that career path? How'd you get into it?
2: Oh boy? That is another really bad one So I actually started out as a neuroscientist. I was trying to get into the video games industry I wanted to be a game designer my whole young life Um, and then uh, neuroscience just kind of was calling to me. I, I chased a lot of Chickens in college, yeah. Yeah. neuroscience was one of them, and that just ended up being the uh, the job that kind of kicked off my career um, did that for years, got to do a lot of really really cool neuroscience research um, but then uh, as is kind of very quickly becoming the pattern, a lot of neuroscientists they kind of go, ah oh, you know there 's not a lot of money in the public sector here <laughs> let 's take this to the private sector. I took it into back into the games industry um, and was doing uh, Kind of early day. I don't even think they were calling things data science back then. But I was doing it back then, and then once it became a buzzword, and all these big tech companies want to have one. I was uh, kind of in at the ground floor for that, and so I've been doing it ever since.
1: And you enjoy it? You recommend this? Uh,
2: I, I do uh, for people that you know have uh, similar peculiarities to myself. Um, yeah, I, I find it tremendously rewarding, but uh, I, I bore my wife to tears, which I, I still don't think she actually knows what I do.
1: Well, we'll see if we can figure it out. Now, you may, you, I don't think like this definition. I found this definition of artificial intelligence because we should define our terms. This guy says it's building machines that can think and act intelligently.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that.
1: Give me a be- give me give me a better one.
2: <laughs> well, the thing is that so what that's assuming is that they're thinking, and and it's that's where you get kind of into weirdness here because a lot of what we're doing with computers uh, to create artificial intelligence is trying to replicate what is happening neuroscientifically in the brain, but you're not we're not actually replicating it. It's just kind mm-hmm. of a it, it's a mimic. Um, but what it's ultimately doing is it's just creating. Probabilities to say, okay, this is what we think based on the information we're given, a person is hoping to get out of this particular AI model.
1: So if I go to target and I go to the machine instead of the person, is that AI or is that automation?
2: That's automation.
1: So if that machine was able to think on its own, would that be AI?
2: Again, I have an issue with calling it thinking on its own, but yes, yeah. it would be AI. If it was, if it was, uh, when you go up to, like, a self-checkout or something, um, we would call that a, ter- a deterministic process. It knows exactly what it's doing when you go up. You scan a barcode. It knows the cost, all that. It's done. Bing, bang, boom. You don't got to think about it. Yeah. When, with AI, you're tr- taking a tremendous amount of information to create something that when you expose it to something in the world, it says, aha, you want this. You expect me to do this. Give me an example. Well, um, okay, so kind of a classic one that I've built a lot in my career is a lot of companies want to know whether a customer is going to leave, you know, leave them or not before it happens. So they have the chance Mm -hmm. to actually intervene, stop them from leaving the company. If they do intervene, what's the best way to do so? So I've created a whole bunch of models over my career. I would actually say it's probably my specialty, like it or not. That uh, say ahead of time, hey, this person's leaving. Um, they have about this much time left on the service. Go get them now. This is what's worked, um, you know, classically for this type of person. And so we're we're seeing, you know, things. You know, it's such a complicated state. A, yeah. a person wouldn't be able to figure that out. Right, right. But the AI can figure it out.
1: But you're successful.
2: Oh yeah, most times. Oh, I mean, every. I'm very. Uh, this, this angers this pisses off a lot of people in my field, but I'm very results-driven, so everything I do, I do a uh, cost-benefits analysis on. So, yeah, it's well, all profitable.
1: Sam Linden talking about artificial intelligence. Worldwide, business spending on artificial intelligence is expected to hit $110 billion annually by 2024. that sound about right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in retail and banking, each spend roughly $5 billion a year. Mm -hmm. that surprise you?
2: Not at all. But, I mean, there's a big difference between spending and having a good use for the spend. (laughs) There's a a big uh, element of keeping up with the Joneses right now when it comes to artificial intelligence.
1: Well, and I read you the list when you showed up. Uh, The number one country in the world for artificial intelligence is, da-da-da-da, Singapore. Number two is Great Britain. Three, Germany. We're fourth. Finland, Sweden, Canada, France... Denmark and Japan.
3: Mm.
1: No China. Mm-hmm. That must surprise you.
2: That does surprise me a little bit, I won't mm. lie. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, so what about the toll booths? And when I throw my change in or the parking lot attendants downtown they're gone. Mm. Now it's all machine. Is that automation or is that AI?
2: I mean that would presumably be automation. Mm.
1: So, we have to get used to this new world, don't we? It's just going to be more and more artificial intelligence
2: that is the direction that it's going you know the th- the thing with all technologies anytime you get a new technology that comes with positives and negatives right and th- there's always so much excitement people just throw a new technology at the wall to you know see what sticks and then you know we turn around decades down the line and go oh maybe that wasn't such a great idea um i would personally argue as a person that you know, like I said, has been around for a good amount of this already. We can't really afford to do that with artificial intelligence. The negatives are are extreme, um, and and we don't really have the uh, the grace period to figure them out. So I think we got to be you know, it's a tool like any other tool. We have to just be mindful of how it's employed, and uh, you know, not not just use it. Uh, Irresponsibly.
1: Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I read the first text on the Stolberg Tatum line for Sam London. The problem with artificial intelligence is that machines cannot have a conscience. They could be programmed to have empathy, but they will never be able to make moral decisions on their own.
2: It's absolutely true. <laughs> I, have, I, have no, I have no issue. I, I could I could go a lot further into the like I said, my background's in neuroscience, so I really yeah. have a. a I like to think a fairly good understanding of the limitations of artificial intelligence.
1: All right, but let's start with the benefits. Mm-hmm. Why is this all exciting? What, what is this allowing to do that we couldn't do before?
2: Um, so as the world has gotten a lot more complicated... Um, and we 've had so the ability to record so much more information originally when I was starting to do business intelligence, which is just when you 're looking at you know financials and stuff for these companies it started everybody was recording their financials, yeah, sure, all well and good, but then you 're getting into the specifics of the product who 's using what product, how much are they using it next thing you know we 're so far down the line it 's how much time are they spending looking at an individual thing online, how much do they click, and now you have Billions of pieces of information coming from people any given month. No human – I actually still – I have this happen on an occasional basis professionally. I'll have one of my superiors come and say, oh, I want to look at this information about clicks we get from such and such thing. I'm like, okay, well, that's billions of records. You want that in an Excel document? How are you going to look at that? No, no human can look at that, but mm-hmm. a machine can. And so these machines are able to look through all this stuff. To get to specific, a really excellent use that's happening right now is things like diagnostic imaging – in medicine because you know trying to actually look at you know radiological scans all stuff come up with these differential diagnoses very complicated and you know doctors they're overworked they miss things all the time but you train models to look at this and they're able to go bam 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 based on this and the labs and everything that's fed into these models these are differentials these are the likelihoods these are our you know perceived uh, uh, treatment or sorry uh, prescribed treatments and it's, it's, you know, going to end up being a massive improvement. With what outcome. percent accuracy? I mean, that has to be observed. But, you know, it's, these things ideally do not get shipped right. unless they, you know, pass certain muster for uh, accuracy. But
1: they're more accurate than the human.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't do it if it wasn't.
1: Of course, you could be replaced one day by a machine, Sam Linden.
2: That is true, but chances are I'll be one of the last ones.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, even in just jumping around here, we'll come back to this other. But even the Kernish of New Times—I sent you the article. It's the concern is with high school students Mm -hmm. that a machine or artificial intelligence could write their papers.
2: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 boy, can I, I, I. so yes, that's true. The the thing is that first off the that that ChatGPT uh algorithm um there's nothing about it that says that it's actually putting out accurate information. It's just putting together, you know, well uh good pros. It's it's well constructed. What, what is
1: ChatGPT? I've been hearing that more and more the last couple of weeks.
2: It's a very recent thing to come out of OpenAI, which is this, you know, Bay Area outfit that puts out this, you know, a lot of really good AI platforms. The ChatGPT platform is specifically a chatbot AI where you're able to interact with it, ask it a question, and it'll, you know, depending on what you're looking for, it'll kick back a bunch of information. Will read like a term paper, <laughs> you know, if you want it to look like a term paper. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the the when that came through and people were starting to talk about like, oh, this is going to destroy homework, you know, I, I have to. Any one of those things that say, oh, well, then maybe homework is not constructed in a way that actually requires thought if (laughs) if an AI is able to replace people quickly. Is
1: my Alexa artificial intelligence? Yes. Yikes. All right. (laughs) Uh, Let me get this break in. Uh, uh, We're human-run here. We have no computer. Uh, Sam London is here introducing us to the world of artificial intelligence. A lot to cover. Your phone call still to come. We're live. We're local. This is Hometown Radio. We are not a computer. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We're in the brave new world of artificial intelligence, courtesy of my guest, Sam London, who's a data scientist. All right, got to come back to Alexa. Mm-hmm. So I've got, what, and what do I have on my phone? Is this Alexa, is this Siri? I don't yeah. know what, all right. So it's tell me about iPhone. Alexa. Is and she that. listening to me? Is she monitoring me?
2: She's listening to everything you uh, say, everything you do. Um, that's part of the program. Uh, and it's it's to get, so if you say something off the cuff to somebody else, you know, in person about uh, some such thing, it's going to end up getting recommended to you. And, the you know, the thing that's important to remember about all this stuff is these models are learning, you know, they're kind of alive, so to speak. And so it's all these things that, it's all improvement to the AI, you know, it's just constantly. So if
1: you're at my house and I talk to you, I say, Sam, I've always wanted to go to Iceland. Mm-hmm. Alexa will pick up on that yeah. and do what with that information?
2: Maybe, I mean, it will maybe nothing for you. Right. <laughs> um, it probably will do something for you, but it's, it, all gets, oh, it all gets fed uh, uh, into the model to improve it and try to make best guesses on how best to sell you product. Uh,
1: so should I unplug Alexa when I'm not using it? If you're bothered by that idea, then yeah. <laughs> well, shouldn't, I, but shouldn't I be bothered? Um,
2: yeah. I mean, it 's it's, it's, it's up to you you know it 's one of these things if people don 't like the idea that they 're being listened to all the time you've got to bear in mind a lot of these products that seem too good to be true that are largely free you know for these services are not actually free they're they 're picking up information from you constantly if you like the uh, improvements in your life that come about from that level of um, you know AI involvement. Then leave it on. If you're bothered by it, then turn it off.
1: So, data—Are they eavesdropping on me? Yeah. Are they listening to me? Mm-hmm. Read your terms and ser- uh, terms of service, people. <laughs> wow. Uh, and so, and what about with my phone? Yeah. Are they doing the same thing? hmm Tell me more.
2: I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, it's 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 uh, you are being sampled all the time.
1: Even, if so if my phone is on, Mm -hmm. they're listening to me.
2: I mean, they is is a very uh, large term. It depends on the software you have installed on your phone. Um, You know, there's all kinds of different listeners that can be on there.
1: So basically all privacy is out the window.
2: If you are a functional member of the modern world and you are using all all the services that are proliferating to the extent that they are, Yes, privacy is out the
1: window. Mm. Uh, Who has access to the information gained from these devices?
2: Um, That depends. It's usually- Let's say Alexa. That's gonna go primarily to Amazon. Um, Again, it depends on their terms of service. It'll either be used internally, Sometimes they'll sell the data to other companies. They usually have, um, for obvious legal reasons, um, restrictions where they'll have to anonymize the data um, so that they won't know exactly that it came from Dave Congleton. but they'll still have your behavior um, that they can sell that information to try to improve other uh, products.
1: And this is legal? Yeah. Because I... When I bought my Alexa, actually, I got it free with the TV that I bought. Mm-hmm. I didn't read the contract. got to read the contract. If it's in the contract, it <laughs> would tell me something. <laughs> and same thing with the phone.
2: I mean, again, it's one of these things where it's like you, you you sign these terms of service and you don't see any massive adverse impact to your life. You don't have jackboot thugs kicking your door or some obvious thing like that. That You sign something you maybe wish you hadn't. Right, but and people so, are
1: just listening to me yep. at home. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me another advantage of, well, let's go back and forth on this. Give me another advantage of artificial intelligence.
2: Um, I mean, so there's a lot of uh, conversation nowadays about, uh, you know, human bias, unavoidable bias that comes from human involvement in any given industry or, you know, anything. And so the thing is, if you were to actually replace that with an AI, now, this is the thing that's funny about it is ai don't have biases ai or it's it's really it's a simple thing to explain to somebody what an ai how it thinks mm-hmm. so to speak the way an ai thinks is close your eyes and imagine you are the smartest thing that has ever lived but just delete, stay like that and keep your eyes closed ai doesn't know how to do anything that you don't tell it that you need done and so if you are coming to it and you're able to say like okay so you know say for the sake of like uh, bank loans Right? And you're saying, like, okay, we just want to make sure we come up with the best, you know, the highest quality loans that we can put out there. We're guaranteed a return. And you just put forth this information. It's going to do the job with no biases. And it's just going to do the job perfectly. The issue is, and where bias can be introduced, is it depends on the person who builds it, vis a vis me, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. people like me, and the information that they choose to provide to the AI. Because that, that information that gets provided to the AI is what suddenly populates that space when you have your eyes closed. It's all it can see. It's all it knows.
1: Well, uh, on the Stolberg Tatum text line, we mentioned phone and Alexa. What about your smart TV? Same thing. <laughs> so whether it's on or off, yeah. I'm being monitored.
2: Yep. I mean, so that varies a little bit. So, like, for example, with your phone, when your phone's off, your phone is off for the most part. Your TV is not. It's still plugged into the wall. It still has electricity running through it. So, yeah, the TV, when it's off, is still collecting.
1: And 30 seconds. The other thing about this we'll explore at the news break, AI is largely unregulated by government. Yeah. So it's like the whole Wild West out there.
2: Um,
1: All this data gathering, doing with it whatever you want.
2: Well, it is here. In Europe, there's a lot more um, restriction on the data gathering part. There's still nothing on AI itself. I personally don't think you need government oversight for that. I think you need tremendous amount of internal company oversight for that, which I've, boy, have I been a part of that conversation.
1: And we'll continue that conversation. Sam London is here for the hour. Holy cow. Uh We've got news and traffic and weather and your phone calls. This is something we need to talk about. And we'll do it right here on the Dave Congleton Show. All right, we are in conversation with data scientist uh, Sam London. This guy knows his stuff. If you want in the conversation, we talk about artificial intelligence. Eight zero five five four three double eight three zero. What about my TV, my smart TV? That's watching. If it's got a camera,
2: if it has a camera, yeah, it's watching.
1: Uh, on the Stolberg Tatum line, the Chinese military could be watching you in your living room on your smart TV.
2: Depends if the Chinese built the television. Depends if it has a camera. If it has a microphone, they're listening.
1: What about TikTok?
2: TikTok, don't get on TikTok. If, if you have any privacy concerns about having anything that you say or do uh, you know, broadcast to uh, you know, companies in China, don't be on TikTok.
1: Uh, but just to be clear, when you gather data on me, you don't get my name. I
2: do. You do get but my it, name. But it's because my company gathered it. But then if that information is sold to another company, generally speaking, it's anonymized. It depends on, you know, the legal requirements wherever the company is.
1: So because I have Alexa, and I say, I really want to go to Iceland, you get that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would if my does. company bought it right. from Amazon. But, but you
1: yourself have seen the data. You've, yeah. not, not necessarily of me, but you yeah. have seen people's data yes. that has come off of just having Alexa.
2: Uh, not Alexa
1: specifically, but other services, yeah. Alan's in San Luis on see Hey, Alan.
4: I'm you feeling more and more depressed after hearing all this, Dave?
1: Well, I know. It's, I'm going to go home and hibernate. I'm going to unplug all my devices. Of course, then he'll
4: probably send you sleep aids or something. So yeah. I just don't know where you're going. So, Sam, yeah, my big concern here is with the not just writing term papers, but faking video, for example, the courts depend on the reliability of witnesses and cameras and audio recordings, and it's going to put everything, if it hasn't already, into question. Yep. And... That's I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have anything.
2: To, I mean, we at least have a grace period to try to figure out what we want to do about this because the... What do you mean grace period? Well, I mean that the a, the images and video, a, but we're not far enough yet with video, but the images that are currently being generated by artificial
1: intelligence still
2: have some major issues with them. It's the kind of thing where if you were to look at it, you know, very briefly, you'd be able to say, you know, oh, I feel like I got a sense of what's going on here. But uh, on further review, you'd see, oh, this arm's bent kind of weird you know like that kind of thing you would say okay something about this isn't quite right you would know it was generated by AI but that's I mean that's gonna change very rapidly Alan
4: yeah and I'm, you mentioned about writing term papers again and I'm concerned about that when we did we started falling dependent on pocket calculators and the graphing calculators I was concerned with students becoming more and more lazy with math and I see that happening
2: so it's actually are, funny you say that. I actually yeah. passed all all of my AP exams in my my senior year of high school. I went and I programmed uh, like all like specialized calculators for all the AP exams into my graphing calculator to do the work for me. I have no problem <laughs> admitting that now. But um but the thing is that uh yeah, when it comes to these uh papers, I think they kind of personally get a little soapboxy here. Um you know, I uh, I personally think that reveals major limitations with our education system. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Dave and I both are um, alumnus of uh, debate. I think that yeah. it's a major thing. You know, if you want to make sure that these kids are understanding the subjects and they're able to really, you know, uh, argue their points, you put them in debate. You don't have them just, you know regurgitate, you know, a, a hot take onto, onto paper. Because, I mean, this was always, you know, rife with plagiarism. It just got to this, you know, this this nice little period there in the middle where uh, kids were still plagiarizing papers and stuff like that, and we were able to search, you know, to see if there was exact copies of it online. That's, you know, that's gone the way of the dodo with things like this chat GPT. It's just, it's if you want to make sure that uh, the kids are actually doing the work and they actually understand it, that's not going to cut it anymore.
4: What else, Alan? Debate, yes, logic, rhetoric, and teaching. As my students they make the point, if they can then communicate what I've taught them to somebody else, that's huge for their remembering it, but also understanding it. You're
2: I don't here. think there's a better way to know something than to teach it.
1: Alan, thank you. 805-543-8830. So, Sam, talk about how they're doing in Europe, how they're regulating all this.
2: So this came about years ago and honestly it was a tremendous, it still is, but at the time it was a giant thorn in my side that all of a sudden there was all these things you had to make sure that you were uh, doing by the book uh, as far as the EU was concerned. So they were making sure that uh, by and large you're not recording any information from any EU citizen without their consent. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, there wasn't stuff that got through, and various. It's just they've at least made the effort, and you know, big companies that are on the generally trying to be on the up and up are doing right so they can continue to do business in the EU. Um, but again, that only that regulation is only around the collection of information it has nothing to do with artificial
1: intelligence. Let's go to Bob on KVEC. Hi, Bob. Hi, Dave. Hi. Uh, um...
0: I'm sorry, if Sam. I your guest name. Sam. Sam, thank you. Uh, Sam, one of the things I've seen uh, in reporting on artificial intelligence, you mentioned before that uh, the person writing the algorithm or the program for the AI will heavily influence how the AI operates and how it interprets things. Right. And I've seen a few instances where there's there's been actual blatant racism by AIs. I don't understand how somebody can write a, a program or an algorithm to be racist, but there's verified reports of this. How does that happen?
2: So the only way that you would literally be able to do that, again, the AI doesn't see anything that you don't give it. And so uh, kind of the corollary of that is that when you give information to an AI on some level, it assumes that it's relevant, right? And so you wouldn't be able to actually give it any kind of racial, ethnic, uh, gender, any any kind of preferences unless you literally supply that information to it, right? If on the outside, if you were to sup- not supply any of that information and then it comes up, the model ends up generating uh, you know, differential outcomes that look racist, then that just kind of is the way that the AI built it. The, the person has to actually supply that information in order for the AI to know it all. And the other part of this that's really important to note that I didn't mention earlier is that a lot of the, it's not, this isn't across all models, but a lot of the modern stuff that's going on, once it, the thing is built, once it's trained, as we call it, um, even the person who constructed it doesn't know the exact inner workings of it. It's kind of a black box system. Um, so it's not like you can go in and say, oh, this didn't work out quite the way we wanted. You only see it in the outcome. You don't really see it in the inner working.
0: Bob? In in writing the, uh, the programming or the algorithms, is it possible if they're doing speech recognition mm-hmm. for the device that it can pick out certain regional speech patterns or dialects?
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: So that could be a, uh, one way that it could differentiate, perhaps, between somebody raised in the South, somebody raised in the North or the West, or whatever.
1: Yes, that follows. Yeah. There you go, Bob. Thank you. I'm afraid to ask this next question of uh, Sam London. But what does AI hold for pornography, and to what extent should parents in particular be concerned?
2: Um... <laughs> uh. Boy, I, I could, I could, I could do a whole show just on that one. Well, but give um, us a good answer then. So, only a little bit more than they should be concerned about pornography in general. From that's speaking to parents specifically. Speaking from a more broader societal impact, um, it's it's a it's a big, you know, iceberg that I I see coming on the horizon. Um, there's already this. Um, uh, People have become more siloed. We don't interact with each other as often. I guess. I guess if I was going to give you a more succinct answer, the, the the one that I I like to call out is what's going on right now in Japan. So Japan, for decades, has had the existence of games called date simulators, right? And so they're just games. These this is way before AI or any of this you know VR stuff. Um, and it, all it was was just a game where you're playing and you're going on dates and you get some measure of, you know, emotional fulfillment from that. Right. This is in a culture where people work a lot. Once they get out of college, they're working absolutely constantly. And so the thing is, what little time they have to actually go on on dates. That's after you've spent a lot of time engaging with these kind of programs, you end up interacting with a living, breathing woman who has her own thoughts and needs and desires and things that piss her off. And it's, oh, boy, I'll I'll just run back to this game. (laughs) You know, it's so much simpler that way. So what? So
1: uh, oh, sorry,
2: I'm bringing that up because that is we can already see there's a major thing going on in Japan right now is that they're having a die-off rate that uh, has caused the prime minister to actually say, "Hey, we need to have more babies." You know, we're we're moving towards the point where or we're having more net consumers, meaning the older population relative to the net producers, and so I view this as very similar when we get to this idea of creating um, uh, AI. Created pornography. It's gonna end up having this point. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of OnlyFans and this kind of stuff That's going on. You're gonna end up having accounts that are based on people who are not real That have put out tons of content photos and videos that are not real and you communicate with them and they Talk back to you. They are not real <laughs> And it's gonna to lead to a similar thing of more uh, isolation. What's
1: a deep fake?
2: Uh, deepfake is just a way. It, it's a it's a it's a program that takes somebody else's face um, and is able to rip it and map it onto another model that's perceived in another image or video.
1: And we're seeing more and more of that.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the first wave that's coming so
1: one that i saw is that they did a deep fake of obama giving a speech Mm -hmm. it looks like obama Mm -hmm. sounds like obama Mm -hmm. but guess what it wasn't obama Mm -hmm. and think of the implications of all that Mm -hmm. what's real what's not real
2: yeah and it's kind of it's so there's i guess one bit of hope i can kind of give people (laughs) so um there's uh this pair of models um it's called an adversarial uh, reinforcement uh, model, but the, the idea was that they created a model that its purpose was to counterfeit paintings, right? And so it would generate these incredible counterfeitings of paintings, but they created a sister model at the same time, and its whole point was to spot forgeries. And so they were kind of raised together, for lack of a better term. And so they had this game of brinksmanship, whereas one model got so much better at creating forgeries, the other model got so much better at spotting them, and they just approached this infinite zenith together. And so it's the only way to actually combat this kind of stuff, presumably, would be to create AI that's designed to spot it. But, again, there would be no end to it.
1: All right. We are in conversation with data scientist Sam London introducing us many of us, that is, to the world of AI, artificial intelligence. Back for a final segment on AM 920 FM at 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. Mm -hmm. Top of the Arts, ABC Radio News. Then Dr. Larry Lockman talks about Bruce Lee and what we can learn by Bruce Lee and martial arts. We're in our final segment with Sam London. Data scientist extraordinaire talking about artificial intelligence. If you want in on the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Is there anything artificial intelligence can't currently do?
2: Um, well, yeah, but I, I, what I was more... This came from our, our in-between. I want to clarify what I was, what yeah, I was sure. trying to say was what artificial intelligence will never be able to do. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: and so the thing that's really important to bear in mind when people, I, I, th- I still think on some level, a lot of people when they think artificial intelligence, they think Skynet from Terminator, <laughs> right? That it's going to start making all of these uh, um, unsolicited decisions. But the uh, the thing is that AI, not only does it not, it only can perform the function that you want it to do. But beyond that, the person that creates it—people like me—have to create what's uh, generally called a reward function. It's the idea that it's like, okay, this is why, this is why, this is important. This is why you need to do this. And so, the, ultimately, the AI is dependent on people to supply it with meaning. It doesn't. It's unable to craft its own meaning, its own understanding of why an outcome is desirable for now no forever it's 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 just a limitation so Mm. the way that the human brain works i'm gonna put on my neuroscientist hat for a second neuroscience er, when we're looking at the human brain the human brain actually looks at um, the importance and function, the relevance, the meaning of something before it actually perceives it and what we normally mean as far as perception, actually getting into the detail of it. AI is the exact opposite. It doesn't have that. We give it the perception, and then based on that perception, it derives the meaning because we supply it with that meaning.
1: All right. We've been meaning to talk to Stan. Here he is. Hey, Stan. Hi. Hi. Thanks for
3: taking my call. Sure. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard it, heard of Moore's Law, mm-hmm. which uh, um, computer, uh, a computer will double in, in power every 16 months or something like that. Yep. And uh, is there a cutoff point on that? You think? Uh, and uh, if they're if they're getting so powerful, isn't that going to be a, like a threat? Maybe they'll become. It's kind of almost unimaginable. How intelligent is it could be, and uh, people like Stephen Hawking, like Stephen Hawking and Bill Gates, have warned about computers, you know, being a threat to humanity. What do you think?
2: Um, so first off, I don't think there's a limitation. Um, we'll just continue to create new levels of technology that are able to expand it. But um, to answer your question, as far as the threat, it's it's the AI itself. I don't perceive ever being a threat. The usage. Is, can is already a threat I'll just say that is already a threat and will become a greater one um as people are more uh um carefree about what we uh give give it the reins to and then you know eventually you'll end up with bad actors that are are intentionally using it for nefarious purposes
1: Stan
3: cuz like uh, one, uh uh analysis of of, hum- of humans were like computers basically We are programmed, and uh, a a computer can be programmed with the same kind of emotions and and feelings and and ideas, and a computer could have kind of like a consciousness as a person.
2: I I don't quite agree uh, with that. mm -hmm. I don't quite agree with that. There are limitations to what the
3: AI can do. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, Stan. Thank you. So what does the future hold for artificial intelligence? Where do you see us going the next five ten years?
2: Um, I imagine it'll become more and more uh, prolific. You're going to end up seeing it uh, everywhere. I mean, fr- uh, frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm coming on this program. I'm telling you about all the places you're interacting with AI, and you don't even know it. And so it's just going to be even more of that. the The thing is that um, I would say that the 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 adverse effects of AI will become more broadly felt um, just by virtue of how ubiquitous it's becoming. Um, and as people are starting to use it uh, irresponsibly, it's going to start to push into people's lives. Gonna, like you said, I mean, one of the earlier callers brought up the possibility of you know doing fake evidence for court cases. Um, I, I would in no way be surprised if, if that's a major problem that needs to be addressed in the next decade.
1: Well, along those lines, anything, I guess now could be faked. Yeah. As we start to wind things down, Sam London, other examples of how we are encountering AI in our everyday lives, just to give people something to think about.
2: Um, I mean, the biggest one is smartphones. Um, smartphones is a huge one. It's recording all the time and it's, it's. Bring that information to through the through its apps to the people that run those apps, and then that information is frequently being sold. Um. That's that's kind of the ultimate one. Um, the t- the smart TVs, yeah, I, I always forget the smart TVs honestly because they're they're just so easy to think of them like they're old school TVs. Um, but that's another one. Computers not so much. You have to it's so long as you're responsible about what you you know, make sure you know what, what you What install. about the
1: people who put the tape over the little cameras on their laptops? I've seen that in people's houses.
2: I mean that's fine. Again, it it, it only ma- it depends on what has been installed on the computer. It's not it's not it's not transmitting anything um, that unless it's been installed with software that pulls from the camera when it's it, and again it's there's, there's uh, you know companies that are on the up and up that have this in their terms of service. But there's also malware you know type stuff which is who reads bad. their
1: terms of service?
2: Um, nobody. And, yeah, and, that's and the thing. People, I mean people in big tech count on that. And
1: that's why they make the print so small, Mm -hmm. and they put it in little small pages. Mm -hmm. What should parents do with their young people if they're concerned about what they're hearing tonight?
2: Um, Get your kids off of smartphones as much as possible. There's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a kind of a, a delicate balance because you don't want your kids to be troglodytes either. You know, the, 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 the world is rapidly evolving technologically and you don't want them to get to the other side of childhood and they don't know how to interact with technology and keep up with people in the job market that were raised with the same, you know, constantly with that technology, but at the same time, you you have to be mindful of what your kids are interacting with. Uh, I mean, it's whatever. It's it's so easy to stick them in front of technology and say, oh, you know, this will all work out fine. But, so,
1: if Alexa is recording all this information about me, how is that manifested? Is it the ads I will see next time I go on my laptop? is yeah. Is that when next time I go to um, Amazon?
2: I mean, it could take a while. They could be. I mean, it's 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 not a, just a, a light. Turns on. It's, it's, it's a piece of data that gets monged into a very, very large algorithm that's incredibly complicated, more complicated than the people who built it quite understand, and then it's kicking out either ad recommendations or whatever, um, and then in some cases that information gets sold, and then you'll see it come from another app or something.
1: And does that also include websites that I visit?
2: Uh, if I go
1: from website to website, does that also track that data?
2: Uh, it depends on what you're using.
1: Yes. Oh, dear. All right, Mr. Sam London. We appreciate the conversation. Nice job. I got about forty seconds for a final thought. What do you want people to take away from this conversation?
2: Um I guess this is a general technology thing, but I'll just I'll keep it specific to AI um you know be be uh uh respect the things that you use you know that's it's uh everything is always of course marketed as it's going to make life easier and and all And in a lot of cases it does i mean i i I don't i wouldn't be working on artificial intelligence if i didn't think it was a net positive um but there are drawbacks with all of these things and people need to be cognizant of those when they use it
1: it sounds like people need to do their homework and find out more about ai Yes. Yeah. So Sam, thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you very much. All right, off we go. We've got news and traffic and weather. And then Dr. Larry Lockman talks about Bruce Lee. Yeah, that guy. Stay with us. This is Hometown Radio.